Welcome to TrackCast, the official podcast of the Real Estate Council from deep in the heart of Dallas, Texas. I'm Bill San Antonio. Thanks for being with us for the next installment of our Legends of CRE series, where we hope to gain a bit of insight from the lives and careers of some of the most significant commercial real estate professionals in recent Dallas history. Today, Trek's 2020 chairman, Bill Cauley of Cauley Partners, talks with Michelle Wheeler, the president and chief operating officer of Jackson Shaw and a former Trek chair herself. During the conversation, Michelle charted her career path for us and how she pursued aspects of the industry that she was curious about to ultimately land roles that were both challenging and fulfilling for her. It's a really interesting case study that I think is particularly useful for young commercial real estate professionals and emerging executives looking to take those next steps in their careers, and I'm really grateful that Michelle took the time to be a part of this series. As always, please subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. This is the last episode of the year, and I know that the end of the year means holidays and time with family and hopefully an opportunity to relax a little bit, and what better way to relax than by catching up on TrackCast? We've put out a lot of fantastic content over this last year, from roundtable conversations to event replays and interviews that add a lot of depth and context to the work that our industry and our members are doing. So if you're taking that long drive to your socially distanced holiday gatherings or need a few minutes away from the family, check out our back catalog. All of our episodes are available absolutely free. And with that, have a very happy and healthy new year. And here's Michelle Wheeler, our latest legend in commercial real estate, right here on TrackCast. Okay, Michelle, one, thank you so much for taking the time. I, I, I appreciate it. I'm, I'm really excited about today because, I mean, I know of you um, and we know each other, but not well. And right. um, I really want to, you know, know your story. I mean, so how, how did you get into real estate? I mean, and like from maybe get me from college or I don't know if college, where you went, if you did go to college, but kind of yeah. give me your path to how you got into real estate. Yeah, sure. So uh, my mother was a real estate broker, but my path from college, I worked for a city manager uh, in college in the economic development part, uh, department in school. And so when I got out of college, my mother was a real estate broker. I came to Dallas and the city manager that I worked for in Nacogdoches, Texas, Nacogdoches. was friend was friends with the city manager that at the time had started running Rosewood Property Company, a family office in Dallas, Texas. So it was people and perseverance. Um, my background was marketing and management. I went back to graduate school for accounting, but the city manager, it was people. That's how I got here. It was people and perseverance. I mean, I said, yeah, I'll go do whatever. And they said, will you go back to school at night and work full time and sit for the CPA exam? And I said, yeah, it was 1987 just give me a shot and I'll show you that it'll be a good hire. So that's so why how I started. Dallas? How did you get to uh, Dallas? My, my family was here. So okay. you know what? I, it wasn't planned. It wasn't anything. It was just what I knew. And at the time I was broke coming out of school. Um, I was going to move back in with mom and dad and get, you know, some, uh, get my feet underneath me again, Right. start, start working and then spring off. So what did you think you were going to do before real estate popped up? Did you have any idea? Because like I've got 17-year-old boy-girl twins, and my yeah. son knows what he wants to do. He wants to be in the real estate business, and my daughter has no clue. And I keep telling Kaylee, I go, Kaylee, you're not supposed to know what you want to do when you're 17. What? Yeah, so I kind of, th I always 
thought that it would be sales oriented. Um, right. And it's probably because my mother was in brokerage and I'm a people person by nature. Um, when I got out of school, though, in 1987, that was right after the SNL crisis. That was right, you know, when tax reform was being made, et cetera. I always also had a good acumen for math. And so when they said, would you go back to school and sit for your CPA? Because this is the job that we have in hand. The city manager is telling us this girl can do whatever. I actually did payroll for all of the city staff, firemen, et cetera. I did all of the accounting as an intern all through college. So I said, yeah, I can do that. So it was really just get my foot in the door and then I'll figure out what I want to do. But real estate is where I was focused primarily because my mother was a commercial uh, residential real estate broker. Okay. So where, where was your first move after working for the city? Uh, well, you mean after I graduated from college? Yeah. I worked yeah. I worked for the city in college. I Got graduated okay. from college. Yeah. So I worked full-time in college for the city at the same time as going to school. Good for you. I yeah. did the same thing, but I was yeah. selling vacuum cleaners and tending bar in college. Yeah, well, I was painting Greek letters and sorority stuff on the side, too, I and stringing tennis rackets at the country club. I had a wide variety of jobs in college. So always entrepreneurial. Yeah. Always, yeah. Yeah. So tell me your path to your current position. Tell, tell me what you've been. Yeah. So uh, I worked for a family office at Rosewood and I handled all of uh, Carolyn Hunt Trust Estates office work. Um, and from there, I left to join a guy named Jerry Fultz, uh, right. probably late 80s, early 90s, and started pitching uh, savings and loan work. All the, you know, the banks were taking back all this property. And so I would go in and pitch property management and leasing assignments to all of the banks because I had a, you know, a bank, I had a financial background because I had gone back to school, set for the CPA exam, et cetera. So I was pitching and bringing on property management and leasing assignments to Fultz Management. And I then love Jerry Fultz. He was awesome. Yeah, he was fabulous. He was an East yeah. Texas guy too. So, yeah. I mean, I really, and you know what? That was, you really, you saw the brokerage side of the business. You saw the management side of the business. That was before tenant rep came into place. Um, everybody was so hungry back then. And so you had a lot of fun working with a lot of young, hungry brokers, learning the business, learning different owners, learning different ways of doing things, um, dealing with a lot of different financial people on what do you want to see? How do you want your stuff to be run? I mean, you were bringing on all these properties and then flipping them back out, you know, 60 or 90 days later. So it was a high volume, high transaction business at so, the time. So did you figure out a way to make a living during RTC days? Because, you know, I was, oh, those were such lean days. That was tough. Uh, it, that was still, I was still on the, uh, just on the paycheck side. I mean, right. it was, yeah, I was not, yeah. I, I was not a broker by any stretch of the mat. I was more of a corporate person back then. Okay, and so, so what, what happened after Pulse? So after Fultz, um, uh, there were a lot of the Rosewood gang that left to go to two different firms back then. It was Intershop Real Estate Services or it was Regency. And so yes. it, it was yes. uh, um, one or two groups. So Pat Priest, Robert Mills, Denny Alberts, yes. Jane Modi, that whole group had left. And we all went to Intershop, which was really doing retail centers and malls across the U.S., for a private client over in Switzerland. And so we managed and leased and developed about 15 million square feet of retail across the US 
for so what years would that have been? So that probably was like um, 1993 to probably 98 time frame. Yeah. I, I love Danny yeah. Elvis too. I think he's yeah. awesome. And so it was, it was a great learning experience. Um, we ultimately, you know, foreign exchange rates were really good. I ran a financial services division of Intershop. Uh -huh. um, and so they decided to exit the U.S. And so we worked for probably a year and a half with a group, Merrill Lynch, out of New York and sold the entire portfolio and the operating company to DRA advisors. And so Intershop became Amerishop, but you essentially were becoming a third party uh, yeah. affiliate of yeah. DRA advisors managing their retail portfolio across the US. And so about that time, uh, Jeff Swope had gotten my name and number from someone because they, he had been busy doing fee development work for Nestle. Yeah. And he was trying to do more principal-based work. And so he needed somebody that could talk to institutions and do that partnership stuff, you know, all the yeah. compliance related activities. And that was my background. Um, I had a marketing orientation, so I was good with people, but I also understood numbers, et cetera. So he and Steve Golding and Steve Midori said, come over here and let's be partners and let's do this on the principal side. So that's what I did. So I was partners with Jeff and Steve and Steve and those guys for probably six years, almost seven years. I did not I mean, know you were there. Yeah, doing development. Awesome. Yeah, great learning experience because I would really say, you know, prior the family office side, Fultz to a certain extent because it was more bank orientation, compliance yeah, yeah. related work. Yeah. And then even with the private REIT side at Intershop was really more structured related work. Mm -hmm. And then moving over to Champion was the what I'll call the cowboy era. <laughs> Yeah, you kind of got on the deal side, right? It was on the deal side, and it really just uh, expanded my right. whole yeah. And for somebody that that for somebody that had uh, come from that DNA, it was right. uncomfortable. It was, but it was um, liberating. It right. was it was highly liberating because all of a sudden you really got to use your marketing acumen. Right. And your structuring acumen to try to figure out how to do deals together. Well, and, and what a good team, too. I mean, that team. Oh, yeah. God, best in class. Yeah. I, so I mean, yeah. Swope was like, mm -hmm. you know, I called him, you know, the, the fairy with pixie dust. He had amazing. great marketing spin. And, he, and you know, he gave you, he gave you plenty of rope and then would just, you know, crucify you to make sure that you were understanding decisions that you were making unbelievable learning experience and really um he put on my board motivation you know we had a lesson he, he said you're that. oh did that story. it was fabulous and it was one of those you lessons tell me who it was it was you it was yeah it was one of those lessons learned that i actually wrote it on my board so i would never forget when i'm talking to someone to always think of the their think right. about their motivation first before right. my own Right. And it was, it was, it's invaluable. Yeah. You know, I, I will tell you this. I, that's the first question I ask somebody in any pitch or any presentation is yeah. they'll give you the answer if you ask them. Yeah. You know, it's amazing. Oh, yeah. He was, he was super hard. You know, as a young 30 year old going over there, I didn't yeah. understand it. It culturally, it was a big culture change 
um, from going to a public company or private REITs over there. And so that, (laughs) so I said, I call it the cowboy error, but it was hugely beneficial for me. I mean, I will always be indebted to him for what I learned from him. Yeah. Then what? Uh, So from there, Steve Golding and I were partners. Jeff was wanting to, at the time he was wanting to wind down and he really wanted to get more acquisition focused. And, and, at, at a time, kind of toyed around with doing a public offering, and I said, I've been in the public world before, and I don't want to do that. I'm out. And I'm out. I so, I mean, if, so if you want to go the public route, I really, that's not what I'm interested in. I, I really love this taste of development, and I want to stay on this side, and so I decided to embark. I actually left without knowing what the next thing was, because I was like, I just know I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to try to find out development. So I teamed back up with one of my old partners, Steve Golding over here at Jackson Shaw and started doing development work. We started partnering together, doing development deals. He said, I need help. We've got a lot of ideas, but we need somebody that can figure out how to make ideas into reality. And that's what I like doing. So, so what's, part- what's your favorite part every day? What, like when you come to work, is it, more, uh, is it, creativity is it the relationship side what is it you know they kind of it's both I think yeah you know the people side of the business the relationship side of the business is what I enjoy the most but taking those relationships and creating something that doesn't exist is what's highly invigorating it's interesting how your motivations change Mm -hmm. with the passage of time you know the older I get it's more fun now for me seeing other people getting to create those things and me helping them create on the structuring side but it took a long time to get out of execution mode or visioning mode into going to the next step you know and helping others which is how I enjoy spending my time now I mean now I get to work on a wide variety of things which I really enjoy so are you a good delegator do you like to delegate or are you I'm not the best um I, I I am getting much better now at it yes so I hired a CFO, you know, I came on to Jackson Shaw initially because my background was still CFO re- related. Yeah. That's, that, that's the comfort zone. Yeah. That's right. kind of where, that's where you revert back, you know, right. how do I bring an equity guy into this deal? How do I get lenders to loan me money on this deal? That's, well, you're nowhere that's without the, the money, right? Yeah, that's the, that's the easy part of things to me. Right. It's right. the, it, so um, I hired a CFO to replace me. When Steve Golding left and retired, then I took his role as president of the company. And so that was probably seven years ago, six or seven years ago. Yeah. I hired a CFO. So getting out of the way was step one and not reverting back to, right. okay, wh- what are you doing? It doesn't mean that you abandon them. You, you still put your best team on the field every day to try to right. create opportunities for everyone. Right. But first step was moving out of the way. I mean, recognizing... Right you've got talent and letting those other people grow. Right. Like, so, I mean, I think one of my favorite things, one, it's so hard to build a good team, but when you have a good team, I actually really enjoy delegating because you kind of watch the team grow. Like, but so like, do you have like a business philosophy or any way that you approach business that someone would, you know, would benefit from knowing? I mean, um, I know I've, what I've always heard about you is you're wicked smart, very relational, and uh, very driven. But I mean, yeah. is there is there like what's your 
principle in business, maybe? Uh, it's transparency and no surprises. Um, tra I mean, I don't want anybody, if, if there, are, there are problems coming up or we know of something, get it out in the open. Let's talk about it. Let's figure it out. Let's be good fiduciaries. You know, not every transaction is going to work based on an Argus run or a performa. It's you a guess. Just, Argus runs a guess. guess. It's a guess. So if there I love are, hearing that. I, I feel the same way. It's the hardest lesson I learned growing up, growing in the business yeah. is when you have a problem, drag it out on the table, tell everybody about it and start dealing with it. If we're in the ditch, let's all figure out how to get out of the ditch. And I guess if you've gone through multiple recessions, you know that there are ditches coming. You just got to figure out how to avoid all the potholes. I mean, well, I no, think the sooner yeah. you face it, the better off you are. Yeah. So, okay, yeah. now we're in the ditch. What's give me a problem that you've dealt with that's kind of changed that you learned a life lesson, like uh, a bad being, deal or a bad relationship. Yeah, being being over, being over leveraged in two thousand and eight, going to CMBS. Um, not having someone on the other end of the phone that you could walk through a deal with, understanding, you know, the big lessons learned on that. You know, we got greedy in well, 2008. Yeah. Well, we all started trying to use leverage to, to yeah. make returns. And I will yeah. tell you, it's kind of amazing because your story is so parallel to mine because I started in, in 86. I came to Dallas in, in yep. 86. So I went through all the same things you did. And yeah, you just look oh, younger than me. I'm and, glad. Uh, no, I don't. <laughs> oh, seven, eight, nine. Though the one thing I learned is I loved my basis, but my leverage leverage was a problem. Yeah, leverage in, was a problem. In the wrong part. Yeah, it's part. it's interesting. Our greatest our greatest uh, problem going into eight ended up being our greatest asset coming out of the recession. We had way too much land on our books. Mm -hmm. We'd taken down large land tracks, you know, 120 acres in Maryland, 115 acres on 121, you know, big chunks of land all over the place that at the time we thought were fine. Sure. But during the recession, all of a sudden carrying that crap and it just wasn't, you know. So the what thing do you that, do about right? land now? You, you approach it differently? Well, we try to be a little bit more measured, but I tell you what, right now it's been uh, the institutional nature of what's happened with industrial particularly has made things tough. I mean, you're competing with all product types now. I mean, who would have thought we would have been spending what we're spending on dirt these days? Um, it, when industrial is competing with residential, is compete, you know, it's competing with everything now. Right. And like when you look at a piece of dirt, are you willing, are you looking, I mean, a five-year cycle or are you trying to get out of that? What's your time? Do you have a time horizon you want to try to develop out to get your basis on? Uh, on the land side? Yeah. No. So on the industrial, we'd like to try, we run all of our stuff on five years. Okay. So that's, that's what we run everything on. Yeah. And I'll, I've been trying to do JVs where I can. It's easier to do with office. 
I don't yeah. think you can do it today as an industrial with what's going on, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, we've been really creative on doing, we've got disciplines within our farm where we can do a variety of product types. It's yeah. not necessarily been in vogue, but I mean, one of the things, we've got a residential line of business, we've got a, a industrial line of business, and then we have a select service hospitality line of business. This time around is really interesting because COVID is, I mean, it's a tell of two cities. I mean, as strong as everything has been on the industrial side, it's polar opposite on the hospitality side. And so we're dealing with very two different, two completely different dynamics going on right now. Do you, do you have an optimistic view of, um, of hotels going forward? Do you think we're going to get through it this coming year and you'll be behind us? Or do you think it's going to be a long slot? I think it's going to take longer than everybody thinks to get us back on rate. I mean, here's the reality. We have five hotels. We have, we have very limited partners in our hotels that primarily are all internally. Our hotels, for the most part, we've got one in Scottsdale, three in Frisco Colony area, and then we've got one that we just opened up in downtown Fort Worth. All are performing better than what we thought when Armageddon hit in March. Right. Yeah. Um, but rates have been suppressed far worse than what we thought. Um, we're seeing, though, glimmers of hope just because everybody is stir crazy to get out. Our stuff in Scottsdale has been cash flowing the whole time, but that, you know, we've got some extenuating circumstances. We've had a large group in there since day one that's been there and is going to renew through March. So, I mean, we've held 85% occupancy the whole time. Oh, that's our, awesome. Our stuff in Cascades out on 121 has, has been harder hit because business traveler out there with J.P. Morgan Chase and Liberty Mutual and right, they're not coming to work. Nebraska Furniture, they're not coming to work yet. Right. So they're not traveling. But the transient guy is. Right. You know, the entrepreneurial firms, they're starting to travel more. They're going. Have you, have you traveled yet? Yeah, I have. Me too. Me too. I have. I'm traveling Thursday. I mean, I've been and, going. And, I'm, and, I'm pretty comfortable. I, you know, I, I have to say the first trip, I had to go to a city council meeting in Las Vegas in June. I was not comfortable. That was also during the riots. Right, I was. So I had to have a driver and all that kind of stuff. But since then, yeah, I've been traveling. Yeah. 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 I have to. It's my business. Me too. And I, I mean. Yeah. I, I you know. I'm, I'm over. I'm done. Let me tell you, I'm looking forward to putting Zoom in my rearview mirror. Yeah, me too. You know what me I mean? Too. Me too. So, so what about. What do you think a good leader, a, a leader of a business, what does good leadership look like? I mean, how, how do you try to lead your business? What's uh, you know what? I'm a big believer in servant leadership. Um, I'm also a big leader, a big proponent of trust, um, which means, you know what? You've got to be able to debate and anybody in that room needs to be able to challenge anybody else in that room to come up with the best ideas. Um, right. So... I am not going to have the best ideas every time, but I want, I encourage people to challenge and have debate. I right. mean, really be constructive about it. And then I'm a big believer in transparency and being a good fiduciary. I mean, we're only as good as our partners and our lenders and our relationships are. And so you've got to be community. I mean, you've got to constantly communicate over communicate. I, I think relationships are built bad yeah. times right yeah people no everybody yeah show it's people how you, you behave. care well right. it's it's everybody behaves great during good times it's how are you going to behave during bad times right and do you find 
like in in uncertain times like we've been through that you're um like when you're like a little bit uneasy about what's going on you don't know what's coming does that put you into action or are you yeah. contemplative or what how do you react to that? uh it actually makes me i'm a fighter but i guess you know I, that's the one thing that um going back to jeff again he knew that the more the harder he was on me the more motivated I got. Right. So the more difficult times are, <laughs> right. the more you just want to bust through the wall to get to the other side. But that's what motivates me. That's not, it's not Everybody's one side. motivated differently. Right? Everybody's motivated differently. So during bad times, you know, I generally have a tendency to hunker down and just push as hard as I can. Right. And, and, and yeah. One thing that surprised me about COVID is like, because everybody in our team took it a little bit differently. Like oh, there yeah, were some people that were totally in fear. There were some people that probably were too flimping about it. Yeah. You know, probably the middle is the right. But I, I've been, you know, I had to learn to address it individually instead of uh, as a company. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Have you been through yeah. anything similar? Yeah, that was, that was the toughest part. That was the toughest part, especially when you wanted people back and you wanted people together. You had to be mindful that everyone's situation is not the same. I mean, I have a young, uh, a, a young lady who has a two-year-old. I mean, she's still adjusting to motherhood, you know, daycare. I mean, everyone's situation is not the same. And really, what it, I think fundamentally, though, the tenant was um, you cared about your people. <clears throat> But you had right. to understand individual circumstances and you couldn't address it all the same way. Right. And I mean, so, that was how, reality. How have you kept your team positive kind of through the unknowns? Has that been... I, I, can't, I can't say that it... You know, initially what we did was we did, um, we did weekly calls, Zoom, we did Zoom calls, right? Where we did a... We laid out our business plan and we said, okay, here are here's our business plan. Here's what our business plan was this year. Here's where we have potholes. Right. Here's where we're in the ditch right now. Right. Here's how we're trying to work out the ditch. And we started communicating along every asset, every, uh, every business segment. We, we told it all every week and we, right. and we measured every week and we told and people would ask us questions. Well, what about this? And we said, our goal is to keep all of our employees. Our goal is, we said, our goal is to keep all of our employees, to keep you health and safety, and to let you know that we're going to do everything in our power to push through this. Where are our challenges? And we're going to tell you where our challenges are so that you can start looking with us. Here are our five biggest challenges. And here's the timing of those five biggest challenges. And here's what we're doing to address those five. And so they knew up front, and it kind of... Um, created at least where they felt like they were safe because they were seeing all they were seeing all of their colleagues get laid off they were seeing them take pay cuts they were seeing them being furloughed um they weren't sure you know and we said look our number one goal is to push through this and our team is our most valuable asset so we're going to do everything we can but here are the challenges so has this taken longer than you thought yes oh yeah me too i thought it'd be yeah. Months and we'd be through it. Yeah, me and, too. And, and what's your view of next year? 
Um, we've already done forecasting and projections for next year. I mean, I think it's still going to be a little sluggish, but I mean, our business plan for next year is going to be pretty flat. Mm -hmm. um, we're not showing, we, we were able to get three deals through the, through the goal line in the third quarter for next year. So we've already got stuff on the board for next year and we're trying right. to get two more on the board, but even with what we have, we're okay. So, I mean, that's been communicated. Um, but you know, it's been, you know, our people are still, you know, we had 80% of them here today doing birthday stuff for one right. of our coworkers, but you know, masked up, spread out. Right. But it's, you know, it's still, you know, you're still not, you know, we do, we normally do a big Thanksgiving deal. We're not going to do that just because we're wanting to make sure, you know what, if you're wanting to go home for Thanksgiving, we want to make sure that we're not the ones creating a question mark before you go home to see right folks so you know i like i would say um how are you keeping your people motivated how are I, you keeping I, I i'm telling you it sounds like we're, you've been like we've i've been in your huddle but um same way you're doing it we we've just been really honest and open and transparent we told everybody that they were good that their jobs were good through year end and then we yeah. evaluate yeah. Um, but our goal was to keep everybody. We had uh, one employee take another job. But other than that, everybody has stayed. Um, yeah. We've been very transparent. Um, you know, we focused on what we can work on and being realistic about what we can't. Like our, our leasing activity on office, anything that doesn't have a time horizon on it, that's got no sense of urgency, there's just not a lot going on. And, yeah. And, and tried to be relational with our tenants. You know, yeah. people that have been a good tenant and they needed some relief, I didn't put them through a lot of hurdles. I wasn't predatory, you know, trying to get more term. I just worked. And I'm yeah. hoping that that pays off later. But, you know, just saying, I think you and I have very similar philosophies. It's just being really open and try to stay positive. I mean, um, um, you know, this hasn't been that bad. Right, it could have been a lot worse. Yeah, I mean this this is far this is far worse than two thousand eight. Though I mean this is ex I mean this is like not even in the same vein. Right, right. I mean we didn't have as many problems going. We we didn't have any issues going into it. The hospitality side and our restaurant side is what has been. I mean, there's just no you can't do anything. PPP solved problems for this year, but it's not helping for next year. So like if you were your younger self, what would your recommendation or thoughts be for somebody just getting into our business? Like, yeah, you know, what you went through or anything that you, any advice you can give, people are just starved for advice, right? Can you imagine being a young person trying to get in the real estate business right now? It's brutal. Yeah. Because I mean, we're just trying to hang on to who we have, right? Yeah. Uh, you know what, I, I think for me personally, I would have taken more risk on myself earlier on. It wasn't in my DNA earlier on. I wish I would have taken more risk earlier on because guess what, I didn't have the same level of obligations or, um, you know, all those things that life and age um, change. Right. Um, I, I would have taken more risk on myself earlier on um, and I would have continued if you're not in an environment where you're constantly learning, put yourself into an environment that you're constantly learning 
And to the extent that you ever quit learning, it's time to move on because you grow by learning. And don't be afraid of mistakes because that's how you learn. <laughs> right. I think, don't you think you learn more from making a mistake? Than... Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I tell you what, though, you have had a incredible Oh, I've been lucky. really good people that you yeah. learn from. Like, I've been really lucky. I've been really lucky. I mean, you know, a lot of life is luck. And right. um, I've been really blessed that, you know, God's put me in the path of great leaders and mentors that really um, gave me the opportunity to learn. It, it, it also takes assertiveness and proactiveness. I'm highly competitive. I mean, it's a blessing and a curse. But at the same time, you, you, you mix those ingredients with the right people and it's fabulous. Right. You know, I, I would say like if people ask me, like nobody would hire me. I kept trying to get a job when I first came to Dallas in 86 yeah. and I didn't know the city very well. So I couldn't get a job. So I went and started on my what own. Was your, well, what was your background? Well, I was, I was working for my dad in a residential real estate company and we were doing like storefronts and stuff. We had commercial, but it was nothing like Dallas. Yeah. And, and so I kind of, my advice to people is get with good people where you can learn from the right people, like yeah. not focus on the money, but get in the right position. But like the risk piece, I totally agree. I think, you know, get yourself into that position. If you're built to take risk, right? You have to right. be a person. Yeah. I know a lot of people that just, Risk is like getting a root canal. They don't want any interest in, but I love, I mean, I respect risk, but I enjoy it. <laughs> you know what I mean? I really yeah. think the most fun about yeah. our business is figuring it out. Yeah. I think, um, I think that's one thing that I learned. I, I, I did learn that at Champion. I didn't realize um, how much uh, pressure was put on you, right? When you're in that position. That was the first time, you know, with guarantees and completion and environmental and carve outs and all that kind of stuff. And Jeff would always, you know, I, there was, there's, you know, it switches, right? You think about it differently when, when it's you right. on the line. But I, but right. I also, it, it's not necessarily, it's mitigated risk because you've done a lot of studying on your deal. You've done a lot of research on your deal you wouldn't be doing it if you didn't have a high degree of conviction that your deal makes sense. Okay, so one of the things, when I switched from being a broker to a developer, yeah, for years it took forever to get brokers to not look at me as a broker that's developing, but as just a developer. Oh, no, yeah. Because they kept thinking that I was gonna go try to steal their tenant or I don't know what they were thinking. <laughs> they, they looked at me like a broker yes. instead of a developer. Right. But I can tell you, in 08 9 was one of the first times I looked back at being a broker going, that's not a bad deal. Because, you know, you've got, we've got debt a lot of and risk. relationships and all this risk. And I, again, I wouldn't change anything. I love what I do. But there's a lot to be, it's like when you're making the soup, there's a lot in there that, that, yeah relates to your personal risk. Right? Yeah, but, it, but it's highly, um, it's invigorating to the creativity piece of it is what's, oh, I mean, I you know, I used to think that the creativity stuff was just on the structural side. No, that's just a piece of it. You get to use a whole nother creative piece 
of your mind when you're thinking about, you know, going to municipalities or working with architects and engineers or working with site planners or, you know, how are you going to get it really built? How are you going to be part of the landscape? How are you going to be part of the community? Right. What are you going to do? Yeah, it's fun. It's fun. Okay. okay. So, and have you gotten more conservative or are you like, as you, like, you, you know, you've been doing this a long time. You've had wins and loses, losses. Like I find myself getting a touch more conservative every year in how I approach stuff. <laughs> I think that's you know, it's weird. I think and that's I, I don't ever want right, and I don't ever <laughs> want to be to the point to where your team is going, because you know I've seen like Jerry Fultz. I love Jerry, but Jerry got to where, in the end, I, I so looked up to him, but he got bitter in the end. He kind of got unhappy, and you know I think you always have to be able to be out front taking risk to keep leading your people. Do you agree with that? Yeah, it's it. You know that's where. Um, our team comes into play because yeah, I do think with every birthday becomes a little, you know, a little, you're a little less bulletproof maybe, but at the same time, you've got to be somewhat of an encourager so that you continue to motivate your deal, your guys or girls to go and find opportunities, right? And you, and, and you know that how you pencil it day one is not how it's going to pencil at the end, you right. just you just got to keep working it, keep working it, keep working it, keep working it, keep peeling it back, keep peeling it back until you get something. The, the interesting thing is, is to give, what I have learned is, is that you can't have all of the answers at day one. And that was part of, uh, that was a little bit of a change in my mentality because I did come from a financial bean counter background, right? right. I needed to understand the math first. And so I needed to say, okay, look, it back of the napkin is going to have to work on the front end, sure, and then refine it as you go. That's a little. That's there. a little. That's a little bit of a just you know a departure for someone that comes with my background. Yeah, but I think that's an advantage, actually. I think you know because I'm not. People don't think of me as having a financial background, but I, I actually love the numbers. I don't want to run them. <laughs> but yeah. I mean, I actually like, I mean, I'm always in there running stuff in my head that, that to where I've got, I'm pretty close to where they end up. But so let me ask you this. Do you ever see, are you, are, can, do you ever see you retiring or quitting? I mean, like, quit, no, quit, I, like to where I you can't. go play golf and no, I love spending time in Colorado, but I have to tell you, even if I'm in Colorado, I find myself calling and working just because I like it. Or I look at, I go and look at what's going on in the area. Well, what land parcels? Where are they doing stuff different? Right. I mean, I, I always feel like I'm always curious, but I don't know that you turn that off. Right. I think that's just part of your DNA. So you're going to keep going. You're just going to maybe oh, get more balance. I love it. Keep going, going, going. Keep yeah. Going. I mean, do, do I want to go fly fish? Yes. Do I want to go watch sunsets? Yes. Do I want to go hike some? Yes. But do yes. I want to quit? No. Exactly. I, I think quitting sounds boring <laughs> to me. No, me too. I mean, me too. Just, you know, me too. I, I mean, I like golf and hiking, and I like all of that, but I don't like any of it more than I like work. Yeah. And, and, and well, it's a creating. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. if I've gone too long, I just start missing people. Right. Yeah. So, so tell me, what what are you excited about looking ahead? Like, view a Dallas business life, whatever. 
Um, I'm, you know, I'm excited about seeing some of our, we've got some really great young people here and I'm excited about seeing them grow. Um, our team actually has come together extraordinarily well this year, even immense all of this noise. And so I'm excited to see where this takes off and I'm actually excited about next generation of leadership. I'm really excited about that. Right. Right. And, um, like trying to find your replacement? Uh, well, I mean, I think we've already got the mixing of that yeah, already exactly. internally, yeah. So, I mean, yeah. we've, got, we've got highly talented people within our firm that have already stepped up That's awesome. and are stepping up, which I think is fabulous. I, I, and me, they want to. And, and right. my, goal, my goal is to grow them to do it. Right. What but can I, I do think, to help you? I think this point or stage in my life, the people side, is the most rewarding to you in the relationship side, but but um, I love trying to um, give people opportunity and then watch them grow in it. Yeah, well, it's interesting. You're chairing the real estate council at a time similar to when I chaired it. I chaired it during the last downturn, and so you're having to go through this as well. So I did it. Uh, I think seven, eight, or eight, nine. Is so when right in I, the middle of the mess. Right in the middle of the mess. And so it was about bringing people together. How do you, Now, your situation is uniquely different because you can't bring people together. Our right. situation was nobody had any money. Everybody was broke. The financial crisis, global oh financial gosh. crisis. So right. it was, and, and we were trying to figure out, oh, crap, how much, how long does the cash that we have last? Right. And so... Holland and, you know, the whole crew there knows that it was, you know, you were trying to bring people together and go, okay, you know what, but you had people really wanting to get together and do stuff and make things happen and, and reinvest in the city because, you know, it was a terrible time. Well, the thing that's been weird about this, one, so much enjoyed it. I was a little worried about it because, I mean, I'm really about making a commitment and doing a good job. I wanted to do a good job. Well, you've done great with all the technology stuff. I mean, you had to bring people together in March. You were one of the first ones that, you know, did that whole series yeah. on Ring yeah. Central and bringing people together and talking and people just wanted to hear and really commiserate. Well, right, because everybody was looking for information, but yeah. you know, it's been weird, like no fight night, no giving gala. It's, yeah. but it's been, it's been uh, a really rewarding trip has it's uh and i'm gonna stay plugged in because i i always looked at trek from the outside in you know looked at it and i always thought it was such a quality organization not that the other ones aren't but i was members and involved in the other ones and i, I just am such a i'm a bigger fan of trek now that i've been involved in than before so well, I want to thank you so much for doing this. I mean, uh, this was um, fun. Yeah, I appreciate it. I think, you know, this kind of stuff is important. People want to have, it's hard for them to get access to someone like you that has had your experiences. And I just really appreciate you taking the time and, and uh, thanks for all your involvement and everything you've done for Trek. Well, Bill, thanks for your leadership because I know that this has been uh, uncharted territory and you're uh, your positivity and your commitment to the organization and you're rolling up the sleeves and let's get after it no matter what comes through uh in spades thanks. so uh so thanks for uh thanks for sticking with it i mean you've done an exceptional job during a very challenging period i appreciate it
Thanks for today. Yeah, likewise. Thank you. That's it for us today. I'd like to thank Michelle Wheeler of Jackson Shaw for sharing her story with us. Please subscribe to the show if you like what you heard, and keep a lookout for more Legends of CRE episodes when the calendar turns on 2021. We've got some fantastic guests lined up, and you won't want to miss what they have to say. Trust me. Until next time, I'm Bill San Antonio. Thanks for listening.